the Women's Football Podcast. I'm Shauna David and thank you so much for joining us once again this week as we take an in-depth look into everything that happened in the women's game over the weekend. We've got a jam-packed show for you, plenty of action to dissect and discuss. So coming up this week, it's glee for Northern Ireland and heartbreak for Wales and Scotland. We look back on a big week for the home nations in Euro 2022 qualifying. Spurs finally secure their first WSL victory of the season. Sam Kerr hits a hat-trick as Chelsea make it 12 WSL wins in a row. Our very own Liv was at Reading to watch them face Bristol City. Leicester now lead the way as Durham are held. More twists and turns in the championship. Our very own Luke Edwards, he spoke to Glasgow goalkeeper Erin Clacker, who gave us the lowdown on all things Scotland Women's Premier League 1. And we'll also round up the weekend's Women FA Cup third round qualifying action. So plenty to get through. I'll quickly introduce our guests for this week pod. Joining me to discuss everything, we've got former Aston Villa and FA Media Officer Emily Lyles. Hi, Emily. Are you sure, Ned? We also have production coordinator on the WSL and football fan Liv Griffiths. Hello, hello, hello. Nice to see you, meet you guys. Good to have you back, Liv, and producer, presenter, and the man who's actually behind all our social channels. It's Guion Sampson. Good to have you back, Guion. Nice to be back. Emily, I'm sorry you're heavily outnumbered uh, by the Welsh uh, <laughs> this week, but we'll, we'll be kind. I promise we, uh, we won't bite. But we'll start off with some international um, action, the international break. Northern Ireland, they are one step away from a historic First major women's tournament tournament finals appearance. Their 5-1 victory over the Faroe Islands booked them a place in the 20, Euro 2022 qualifying playoffs at the expense of Wales, who are in the same group as them, uh, Northern Ireland. They will find out their opponents um, at the draw, which takes place in March. In the same group, Wales were taking on Belarus at Rodney Parade and hoping for a Northern Ireland either a loss or, or for Northern Ireland to drop points um, after a 2 all draw in Newport and a goalless game in Belfast left Wales behind on head-to-head -head away goals in the group. Wales kept their side of the bargain with a really impressive 3-0 victory, but it was just not enough. Jane Ludlow's side will now target qualification for the 2023 World Cup in Australia and New Zealand. There was also heartbreak for, Shelley, for Sherry Kerr's Scotland, who slipped to a late 1-0 defeat against Finland at Easter Road, meaning they also cannot qualify. So, guys, uh, really busy, busy week in terms of uh, the home nations. Uh, Liv, I'll come to you first. Um, we'll start off with... Um, well, the whole Northern Ireland Wales situation, you know, you have to give full credit to Northern Ireland, probably given um, the permutations, the result in the week was perhaps the outcome most expected. I think it would have been a hell of a shock if they lost to the Faroe Islands. However, it's fair to say um, it doesn't take anything away from what they've achieved, does it? No, and and like you said, we, we do need to give Island the credit that they deserve I did have a you know the optimist in me did have a sneaky feeling of oh it's 1-1 you never know in these sort of games and twists and tails but well, Faroe uh, Islands went a goal up didn't they I like, know two minutes it was so you know like playing with your heart palpitations so to speak but um 
it was a big ask and I, I don't think Wales expected um, some sort of shock in there. Like you said, they played really well, um, a very comprehensive win for them. But I think Jane Ludlow's side will be really disappointed that they didn't get into those sort of qualifying positions. But I guess you kind of can look at some of the positives. Um, you know, they've got a good youth set up there. It's, um, you know, you look at some of the players like Jess Fishlock and Natasha Harding, who um, I hope they don't mind me saying that, you know, are not getting any younger. So you are going to be looking at the bench. Um and that's really sort of, you know, that a few people had a few debuts and got a few more minutes. Um, so that's all very positive. It was a shame that our friend Helen didn't feature. Um, but I know as we've spoke about with sort of um, the lockdown, she hasn't had chance to play or train. Not that it would have made much difference because Northern Ireland, were, they just smashed it in the end. So congratulations to them. I won't be bitter about it. Now, a huge congratulations um, to Northern Ireland. It was, um, yeah, really strong campaign um, from them. Gwion, I'll, I'll come to you next. In terms of Wales' point of view, you look back at those draws against Northern Ireland, don't you, in the campaign? I think we've, I think I've spoken about this with you before, actually, and we were kind of thinking, well, hopefully Wales don't end up kicking themselves because those were games that Wales definitely um, felt like they could have got more out of those games, definitely um, could have come out with all three points. Where, where does this leave Jane Ludlow's side? You know, what, what's next? Because it's twice now that they painfully, narrowly missed out on qualifying for a major tournament. Yeah, exactly. It's, I mean, it's good to, that Ludlow has seen the positives because she said after the game that, these things sort of happen and build towards the next one. But again, Rodney Parade, oh, giving me nightmares thinking about it. We should move to Wrexham, in my opinion, get away from Rodney Parade for a bit. But um, no, it's, it's good to see. And I mean, there are some positives. You've got a good squad. You've still got Fishlocks and the Hardings and, you know, the rest of the Reading side. Um, but it's annoying to fall at the final hurdle again. And I mean, we need to be able to just get over the line and scrap those victories because mm. I think it's down to maybe some, a lack of experience where some of our younger players maybe haven't had the opportunity to play in such games. So, I mean, it's all good for the future. But again, falling at that final hurdle is painful. Mm. I have to say, I was at, the, uh, Rod I was at Rodney Parade uh, watching the game and it was such a great performance um, from Wales you can tell just how much they've come on as a squad over the past um, couple of years and I remember speaking to media and some other journalists that were there and you've got a feeling I think everyone's sort of hoping it'll be third time lucky um, for the World Cup in, in 2023 and that um, hopefully with because a lot of the we've got a lot of talented young players coming through the ranks they'll be more experienced by then um, it was good to hear Jess Fishlock said she has no plans of retiring. You know, I think that generation, your know, Tash Housing, your Jess Fishlock, I think they're just desperate to represent Wales um, in a major tournament. Um, so that will be something really special to see because I know those players have been there, you know, from day one. They've worked really, really hard to sort of um, make massive strides in the in the women's game in Wales. So, yeah, wasn't meant to be for Wales this time round, but... I think we'd all prefer a trip to Australia or New Zealand anyway. <laughs> um, we'll move on. Um, Emily, I'll come to you next. Scotland, they've 
qualified for the last two major tournaments. They won't be at Euro 2022. Plenty for Shelley Kerr to ponder. Yes, certainly. And I think in some respects, that's probably one of the surprising ones. I think, as you say, because they've done so well in recent years, because they do have a lot of top quality players, Caroline Weir, Erin Cuthbert, huge names really in the women's game. The fact that they haven't qualified is a real blow for them. Um, and it's a shame, I think, because they've they've built up this momentum, they've built up a reputation, but, you know, they've fallen at that hurdle, really. And I think you only have to look at the World Cup last year where, you know, they exited on that twice-taken penalty in their 3-3 draw against Argentina. And they just always seem... it always seems to be dramatic with them, doesn't it? And they always just seem to be um, a little bit unfortunate, but perhaps in this instance, it is solely just the results that they've got and, you know, perhaps the right result in that that respect. Mm, Definitely. Nah, I mean, congratulations to Northern Ireland and England, of course, who will be at the Euros, but... Scotland and Wales sadly will not be there, um, even though it would have been great to have all four nations um, at the tournament. But there we are, the road starts now. Excited. Well, of course, Northern Ireland haven't qualified yet, but um, in terms of the playoff live, do you think, do you, do you see them going all the way and, and making it to the, to the major tournament? Well, there's a little bit of a wait until the playoff itself. So mm-hmm. I guess you're going to have to factor in you know, players at the time who are fit and where they are at with their careers and their sort of, you know, um, team performances as well. But, um, you know, that's the great thing about playoffs is anything can go. It doesn't mean that the, the strongest that finished, you know, with more points in those, in their tables means that they're going to win. You know, we saw it similarly with the with the men's qualifying for the, um, it's the World Cup, wasn't it? So, yeah, I mean, why not? You know, they, they got this far. I'm sure they want to go further and go all the way. Well, guys, we'll move on to the Women's Super League. Another busy, busy weekend um, in the women's top flight. This weekend saw supporters return to the grounds um, at some of the games for the first time this season. And it's fair to say they retreated to some, some cracking games. Tottenham Hotspur beat Brighton by three goals to one. Rianne Skinner took charge of her first game as head coach of Tottenham Hotspur. And what a start it was, her side securing uh, their first league win of the season. Spurs led through Keris Harrop's free kick before Anessa Kagman equalised from the spot. Angela Addison restored Spurs' advantage after halftime before Alex Morgan's spot kick her first goal for the club, first goal of the season, ensured victory. Emily, you were at the game for us, you were at the Hive. Can you give us a run through of your thoughts and, and what you made of the game? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you summed it up very well there, Sean, Ed, in terms of the action itself. But I think looking at, I guess, the day and the event as a whole, it was brilliant. You could feel the fans were there walking up to the ground. Okay, it wasn't huge numbers of people for obvious reasons, but you you sensed a bit of an atmosphere, which was fantastic. Um, Something which really hit home was just the sheer adoration, love and popularity of Alex Morgan. I mean, there were multiple American flags there, people with banners um, and the biggest cheer of the warm up certainly came when her name was read out and she'd only have to have like one very simple touch of the ball and everyone was on their feet. So you just, when you see it in person, you, you get a real sense of how big she really is in the game, um, which, was, which felt a privilege really to be there and see that. Um, in terms of the game overall, I think, was very much a deserved win for Spurs. Um, They dominated at the start. 
Brighton equalised probably a little bit against the run of play. Um, and then, of course, perhaps as expected, there was a few nerves in the Tottenham defence, which you'd expect really and totally understandable, given that they hadn't won a league game before yesterday. Um, second half again, Spurs came back, scored a very, very well-worked team goal. And it was interesting, actually, because just before the goal, you heard Rianne Skinner shout from the touchline, look, guys, calm it down, keep your foot on the ball, we've got this. And then within two minutes, they scored. So she's obviously having a, a very, very quick impact there. And again, Brighton came back into it. Um, Spurs won that penalty, which Alex Morgan converted. And all in all, really, a really good day for Spurs and, and a, a well-deserved victory. Yeah, definitely. Great to see them to see them get the win. We've spoken a lot about Spurs um, on the pod this season. Liv, what do you... You know, I suppose it's that classic new manager bounce, isn't it? You get some a fresh face in there. Um, it happens... At every level, men's games, in the men's game, in the women's game. Um, but do you also think the return of the crowd, do you think that would have been a boost for Spurs as well? And would that have had an impact on the outcome of the game? Um, when I saw this fixture on paper, I, I did have a feeling that Tottenham would win it and get their first win. Um, it is always the case when a new manager comes in because, you know, they're very new to the setup. Yes, they can reflect on the past scores and who starts in that team. But unless Rianne Skinner is seeing you put in the work in training, you can't just sort of say we're going to stick to the status quo. And, you know, something absolutely did work with um, her coming in this weekend. But um, yeah, ultimately, I did. Brighton, we've sort of discussed, they are kind of one of these teams where, they can grind out a nil-nil or a one-all against a top four team and then just lose the next week. You know, it's very unpredictable like that. Um, yeah, the fans will always play their part. And uh, it sounds like there were quite a few American fans there. No, definitely good to see her um, on the score sheet. Um, and yeah, like we said, delighted um, that Spurs managed to get their first win. And after the game, we caught up with a delighted Rianne Skinner to get her thoughts after the game. I think the players have gone into the game with a really positive mentality. And I think uh, it's, quite, it's translated really onto the pitch. So we've obviously seen some really good quality in possession play. I think we can keep evolving that really. But there was times where we had some really good possession and got some brilliant chances from that as well. So, so yeah, really pleasing overall. I think obviously it's been something I've been looking forward to. And I think for, for any manager, you know, just being with a team in a game, game day is the best day of the week, isn't it? So uh, for me, it's just felt really like comfortable, to be honest, and relaxed, quite sort of confident we'd have some response from that, you know, and it's just hoping that that was a positive one enough to get us a three point. I think Alex has obviously been building up her time on the pitch and everything over the course of the last couple of months, really. And, um, and I think, you know, getting the goal in the game uh, at that time and obviously I took a straight off after that but that was kind of before we were given the penalty we were planning on doing that and um, and I think for her she's just getting she's getting more and more back to where she would probably want to be um, and it's just going to take little little bits of time opportunities like today will help her to get back there quicker it's been a really a really good build-up and I think uh, overall we've got to come out of today really pleased with that and and I think today we have that, but then obviously from tomorrow onwards, we've now got the next job to do. It's one game and ultimately it's a long season and, and we've got to keep working on those little bits to make sure that we're then becoming more and more effective and get keep those performances up and start looking forward to Villa now. Elsewhere, 
Aston Villa, they lost by two goals to nil um, against Manchester United. United continued their fine form with a hard-fought victory over Villa. Goals from Leah Galton and Ella Toon in each half proved the difference and secured a sixth win out of their last eight games. The Reds were certainly not at their best on a day where midfielder uh, Jackie Groenen was forced off after 10 minutes following a blow to the head. The Dutch international seemingly wanted to play on but was withdrawn under the orders of the United doctor. So hopefully she's okay and wishing her a speedy recovery. Villa boss Gemma Davis was encouraged by her side's showing and believes the Claret and Blues can take heart from their performance against United. Guion, I'll come to you. United, they remain top, a point above Arsenal. They've not lost um, all season and were tested at the weekend. They had to dig deep, um, but return up the M6 with all with all three points. Do you think that marks them as potential champions? You know, just overall, what have what have you made of them? Did you expect to see? Um, you know, considering the club hasn't you know been around for that long, did you expect them to see to see them doing this well so early on? It's it's tough with United because obviously they're a new club. Um, but Stoney's done incredible work. Um, mm. Obviously, they were tested on the weekend. I think Villa hit the bar at one point, um, which could have brought the game a bit closer. But I, no, I don't think I expected them to be this high. And I think they're a team that can maybe just start grinding out results. And this is one of them. I mean, we're getting to a point now where we're sort of nearing that halfway stage and they've not dropped off yet. The likes of Everton sort of have dropped off when they started really well. But yeah, I can I think I can see them carry on this sort of form. And if they can get these results against bigger clubs, I don't see why they why they won't be in with a shout. Mm. In terms of um Emily, the injury to Jackie concussion, um there's been a lot of debates um and talk about it in the media recently after the David Louise and, and uh, Jimenez incident um in the men's Premier League. Um, she didn't look too happy to be getting taken off, but good to see decisive action action taken. Definitely, yeah. And and just going back to, to Casey Stoney, I think her comments after the game were were spot on, really. You know, she said, Look, I don't want to lose one of my best players, but equally, this is more important. And I think there's a lot of debate, as you say, around concussion protocols, what's right, what's wrong, if football's a little bit behind other sports. And I think, you know, while you, you don't want to see these incidents, if they are handled correctly, people can recover. Um, and yeah, definitely, I think it was good to see that decisive action. And understandably, she didn't want to come off. No player does. But I think probably on reflection, she probably thinks, you know what, that was the right call. Yeah, definitely. And of course, we all wish her a speedy recovery. Um, Liv, we'll turn our focus on to Villa. Unlucky, perhaps, to some extent, not to take something from the game because they did um, really push um, Manu to their limits. They now take on Bristol City on Wednesday this week in what now looks like a massive game for them, for them and Bristol. Yeah, the game next week is definitely going to be a six-pointer. Um I watched some of the highlights with the United Villa game and the first thing I picked up and the consistent thing I picked up was just Villa's tempo in comparison to United. And I think that's why Man United could go all the way because, you know, with all due respect, Aston Villa have just come up trying to, you know, force the force the gap that is the championship to the Women's Super League. 
And it's always going to be tough for them coming up against, you know, teams that are used to it. They were just half a yard, a yard, not closing down and just reacting a few seconds too late to things. But um, I think German Davis should be really happy with the team and where they're going because these sort of things in games, they're easy. Like they just nitpick, nick pickety things that you can fix. There's no like massive problem there for me. Um, so it'll be see, it'll be good to see how they get on against Bristol, who, you know, in turn haven't lost in three games now. So it's it's not going to be an easy one for them. Guys, Chelsea won by three goals to two against West Ham United. Sam Kerr's hat trick helped Chelsea set a record of twelve successive WSL League home wins as they beat West Ham at Kings Meadow. Um, definitely an entertaining game for the fans that were incredibly lucky um, to be able to attend that game. After the match, actually, Chelsea head coach Emma Hayes said that her team really upped their game when they were on the attack um, at the end that the Chelsea fans um, were sat. I've been at games and, you know, Chelsea have such a fantastic following, you know, every game. They're, all, they're always there. They're always singing, giving it that all. Guion, um, good win for Chelsea and um, you know, gosh, like like every game, great for, for fans to be back. Yeah, it's brilliant for, for the fans to be back and especially to see Kirby start as well. Um, it was it was really nice to have her back in the starting starting lineup. And you know what she brings to the team, she brings a bit of excitement and her partnership with Care as well is is really nice to see. Sort of like Son and Kane at the moment. They know where they are on the pitch. And yeah, it's it's brilliant for the fans because you know. It's been so long since we've had a bit of normality and finally we're getting there now. Yeah, definitely. No, definitely amazing to see Kirby back in that Chelsea shirt. Um, Liv, we spoke about Sam Kerr in the early months of the season and the general consensus was that she'd be back to her best in no time. She did limp off um, with what looked like a bit of an injury in the 71st minute and fingers crossed it's nothing too serious um but after that performance do you think it's fair to say that she's pretty much back to her best now doing what she does best and score lots of goals now i wonder who said when chelsea played man city in the community shield that i could see care scoring 12 plus goals in the season i mean i'm just trying to put my finger on who said that but um i like to be proven right um what i like about sam now is you can see she's a real poacher you know, it's not necessarily always the prettiest of finishes. You know, she gets on the end of these crosses from Kirby. You know, she gets a good supply of service from the other sort of players. And, you know, it's like I said, I, I would like to see some sort of more shots from outside the box and a header here and there. But you want your striker to be reacting to sort of mistakes or to sort of parries out from the keeper. And that's what Sam does very well. She's very similar to, I do think, Bethany England in a way so it's it's nice to have all three options on on the pitch and um yeah hopefully it wasn't too serious I did see after that third goal she smashed into one of the defenders but um I'm sure she'll be all right by next week and Emily in terms of West Ham they're still without a manager of course currently under the leadership of interim boss Billy Stewart can they be pleased with their efforts from the game against Chelsea yeah, I think they certainly can. I mean, you know, just some of the names that you've mentioned already, it, that just shows the quality of opposition that they're coming up against. Um, 
I also think West Ham are probably one of those teams that if you look back at their performances so far throughout the season, they probably should have a few more points than they've got. They've been a little bit unlucky in some of the games that they've played in. So, yeah, I think, look, ultimately, no professional or no team goes into a game expecting to lose. But I think Chelsea away from home with fans back realistically was always going to be a tough ass so I think yeah especially that there's a lot of uncertainty there at the moment they don't know who's going to be the new manager there haven't been many murmurings yet really it's gone a bit quiet on that front that you know they adapted really well and, and they can certainly take a lot of heart from that yeah it'll definitely be interesting to see who takes the reins at West Ham because like you said Emily things have um yeah gone a bit a bit quiet on that front but um hopefully There'll be some news soon. Um, we'll move on to Arsenal. Their 3-0 win over Birmingham. They kept the pressure on United on Casey Stoney's side with a comfortable 3-0 win over the Blues. Um, Liv, I'll, co- I'll come to you for this one. We've you know, waxed lyrical about a lot of our Arsenal so far this season. They were impressive once again at the weekend, dictating, attacking and, and getting that all-important win. What impressed you the most about their display over the weekend uh like you just said you know with Arsenal we're always going to see some quality and it would have been easy to say there were some heads down after conceding that late goal to Chelsea a couple of weeks ago but they came in they were professional they were well set up you know it was business as usual and everyone was clinical except for that penalty miss um so I'm I'm starting to see the transition with Arsenal in terms of They've got that attack, but they just need that mentality to get over the line. The likes of Birmingham, you do expect a comprehensive win like it was. And, you know, that's all fine. But when they're playing against United and Chelsea and Man City, they just got to keep up that tempo. In terms of Birmingham, they really don't like playing against Arsenal. They've lost to Arsenal more than any other women's Super League side. This was their 12th defeat and sixth defeat in their past seven meetings with the Gunners. Emily, can they put it down to, to a tough day at the office against a talented team? But looking at, you know, the history between the two sides, I can't wait for the day that Birmingham gets at least something against Arsenal one day. I know. And what makes it really crazy to, when you think about that is, you know, not that long ago, Birmingham were one of the dominant forces in, in the women's game, certainly pre-WSL and possibly at the start of the WSL. So, yeah, I mean, certainly their recent form is they find it hard, don't they, when they come up against Arsenal? That's clear to see. Um, but again, reading what Carla Ward had to say after the game, you know, she was very diplomatic, respectful. She said, look, Obviously, we're frustrated, we're disappointed, but can we just can we just sort of respect Arsenal here and, and acknowledge how well they played? And I think you don't hear enough of that sometimes in sport, actually saying, you know what, today we were beaten. We can dissect this, we can pinpoint every mistake, we can overanalyze it, but today we were just beaten by a much better team. And I think that that was the case yesterday. Okay, guys, we'll move on to the game against Reading and Bristol City. That one finished... One all, Bristol City goalkeeper Sophie Bagley was a standout performer as she helped earn her side just their second point of the season. City, they took the lead against the run of play at the end of the first half with Emma Bissell scoring her first goal in the top flight. England legend Farrah Williams then equalised shortly after the break, but the Royals couldn't add to their tally and had to settle for a point. Liv, you were at the game for us. What did you make of the contest. I mean, 
Reading were probably felt like, you know, looking at, at the fixture, they they could have definitely left with three points and then Bristol is just really not looking good, is it? Yeah, it was, it was a very end-to-end game. In the first five minutes, I was surprised Reading were not 2-3, 4-0 up. You know, they really came out strongly against Bristol, who in turn, I think we've seen it quite a lot this season where they are kind of reliant on getting the other team on the counter-attack. Um, so when uh, when Bristol went into half-time at 1-0, I was like, what? You know, Redden had about 18 shots on target, but they just were not clinical with their finishing. You know, Daniel Carter came close and, you know, I've, I've got to say Farah Williams in the flesh is such a treat to watch. I just couldn't pinpoint any sort of the shots that she was getting away, you know, from 20 yards out, 30 yards out. It was just incredible. Um, but th- yeah, they found themselves 1-0 down at half time, and then they came back after the break. I think I spoke to Kelly Chambers at the end and I think she had a massive talking to them because they came out in, in full fire and managed to get the equaliser. But, you know, you mentioned Sophie Bagley. She was just outstanding. She had it all to do, you know. For a keeper, probably burnt off like 500 calories, the amount of sort of saves and the runs she's had to get to. So she played really well. But I, I do, you know, I do worry about Bristol City. We've seen it all over the leagues, not just the women's league, where some players are very happy to give up possession. As a Cardiff City fan, it's all I have ever seen, and I'm treated <laughs> to. It's just no possession and then, you know, some good play. But it's not always going to win um, you the games. And I think Bristol need to start winning. They'll be happy with a point. It's a point away. Reading is, is two, two points dropped. And for Reading, they just need to be more clinical up front. And they lost the league to Man City with so many draws, you know. And that's the thing with Reading. They just need that mentality to get over the line. Um, in terms of Sophie Bagley, she's been on the wrong end of some high scores throughout um, throughout the season. No fault of her own. I've watched I've watched Sophie um, in a few games over the past um, sort of two three seasons. I think she's fab. I think she's such a young talent. I'm sort of ho- I'm not hoping she leaves Bristol, but I just think. Um, She's got so much to offer, and I think there's no piss. I mean, everyone might disagree. I think if she can um, keep on doing the work that she is, I personally think she could definitely play um, for for one of the top teams out there. Emily, what you know, what do you make of her as a player, and is she one to keep an eye on? She certainly is, and and like you, I was really pleased to see her do well yesterday because you watch some of those high-end scores that we've seen so far this season that, that they've been on the end of Bristol and you know they're not goalkeeping errors they're not necessarily individual errors from her yet ultimately she's in goal when they've conceded that number of goals and, and that goes against her name and you know I felt for her and and I think I think you're right I think the one concern for me is her confidence because okay she's still performing she showed that yesterday but if they if if she is on on the wrong end of um you know further big score lines which you'd imagine between now and the end of the season the club will be and perhaps she does start making one or two errors or one or two errors creep into her game could that knock her confidence long term because touchwood still got a long career ahead of her and you see some of the top goalkeepers in the world be impacted by that and you just hope that 
that she isn't. And as you say, maybe maybe she will secure a move. Maybe she'll stay at Bristol and you know maintain those high standards. But it's yeah, it, that's the big concern for me really on that one, Sean Ed. And Liv, that leads us perfectly um, into the interviews because after the game, you caught up with Reading manager Kelly Chambers, and we'll hear from her shortly. But first, we can hear from Sophie Bagley herself. Sophie, if I was to search your name in my live blog, I think you've come up about 30 times. It was a very busy game for you. Yeah. How are you feeling? Was it a good point one, or did you feel at times there was two points dropped? I think we are happy with the point. I think it is obviously disappointed going one and up that we didn't come away with the three. I think we're disappointed with the goal, and we need to look back on that. But I think at the end of the day, it's a point, and then that's a point to build on going into this week. Three consecutive games now without a loss. Um, You've got Villa midweek. How confident are you going into that? Yeah, it's great. I think we're really starting to build that momentum and having that confidence going into the game on Wednesday is only going to be good for us. I think you've seen today some of our attacking displays and it's only getting better and better each game. So hopefully on Wednesday it can all come together and we can get the three points. And uh, for you personally, uh, under-21 international, performances like that today, do you feel like England could be on the agenda for you? I mean, I think i just got to keep doing what I'm, what I'm doing and keep consistent performances and that's all I can do on my end and if I keep playing consistently then hopefully one day that might come. Okay so a 1-1 draw, um, lots of chances, lots of possession, how frustrated was it for you today? Extreme. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah no it was extremely frustrating and it's I look at the girls and I go what else can we do if if we're not creating the chances you go look there's there's problems we need to change things we need to do things different but the amount of chances that we've had today we've got to be scoring more than one goal and um, it's. I do. I truly believe once we find that flurry, we'll we'll um, kick on another gear. But um, at the moment, that's that's what's costing us. That's what costing us points. And it's hard because we're not keeping a clean sheet to then to, to then um, carry that on and, and get three points. So um, as much as I go, yes, we need to be scoring. But in these games, definitely, when the opportunity, the, the opposition have one chance and they score one goal, it's we've got to defend those moments better. But when you have that many opportunities, you should you should win a game. And that one goal from Bristol came in the first half. What exactly did you say to your team in the in the break? <laughs> you don't want to know. <laughs> <laughs> but I do. That's why I ask. Um, yeah, look, it was, it was a case of we have to carry on doing what we're doing, and there's little like little things we changed um, further back. We knew that the only way they, they would score would be on a counter attack. We know Ebony is extremely fast. Um, so we needed to deal with that, and, and we and we looked at that in the week and went, this is this is what we need to do. But yeah, it was the same message at the end of the game. We've got to be scoring goals in the first half. We're going at half time. We've had 14 shots in the first half, um, and we hadn't scored a goal. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's the frustrating part. And look, I just said to them, you can either go out there and sulk about it, or you can pull up your sleeves, give another 10 percent, and get yourself back in the game. And um, which they did, but again. We should be work- we should be walking away with three points. But credit yep. to Bristol, they frustrated us. They made it hard for us, um, but we still created enough chances to win the game today. You have another week to prepare. Um, Man United come to visit you. Of course, we know they're unbeaten at the moment. So, how are you feeling going into that game after today? Yeah, well, you, you go. We, you, we've got to have a reaction. Um, we did the same when obviously we lost to Birmingham, played Man City, and got a draw. So. Um, but look, it's going to be a completely different game to this. It's going to be completely different game plan, what we're looking at, and yeah, it will be, it will be tough, extremely tough. They're a fantastic side, got fantastic individuals. Um, but 
Um, we ain't gonna get as many chances as we got today. So the ones that we do got, get, we've got to take and we, we need to make sure that we're ruthless around the back four to, to, to stop them creating as many chances that they do right now. But I know these girls can step up to that um, and they will be looking to get their head down this week and, and work hard and make sure we get the game plan right, ready for ready for Man United. Uh, final question from me, just to end on a positive. <laughs> nice to see the fans back after 10 months out. Oh, definitely. Braving the Baltic yeah. cold. Oh, yeah, it is. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's fantastic to see them. Um, you could hear them in, in, the, in the stands and um, and what a nice, um, what a nice way to, to, if you like, welcome Beth and Roberts into a debut today in front of fans. So yeah, when you when you've got two, well, you've got a seventeen-year-old and an eighteen-year-old that's coming on the pitch for you, and the future's definitely bright for the club. And but yeah, it was fantastic to have the fans there today, and just a shame we didn't get a result for, that we wanted for them today. Last but not least, then, guys, uh, Everton lost by three goals to nil against Manchester. City after suffering heartbreak with Scotland in midweek. Caroline Weyer produced three assists um, as Manchester City comfortably beat Everton. Ellen White, Gemma Bonner and Janine Becky saw scored three first half goals to secure City's first away win since the opening day of the season. Um, Emily, you've mentioned um, Caroline Weyer, you know, quite rightly took a lot of the plaudits for the display after a tough week um, on the international front. How impressive was she, especially given the form Everton have shown at times this season? We've spoken plenty of times really about how um, impressed we've been with Everton this season. Oh, she was absolutely brilliant, wasn't she? And I think, as you say, the fact that she had had a tough week um, on the international duty, her performance was even more impressive because she's up against a good team. She's up against some, some very strong defenders there. And yeah, her crossing was absolutely outstanding. And I watched the um, women's football highlight show and, and you know, I watched her cross it a couple of times, you know, I was rewinding and seeing it because her delivery was absolutely outstanding. And I think she is certainly one of those players. Yes, you know, she is well-known, she is renowned, she is highly regarded. Did, but at times she can draw a little bit of criticism so I think to put in that sort of display after the week she'd had was was very very impressive indeed. Guion this win sees Man City leapfrog the Toffees into the fourth spot and moved within five points of league pace setters Manchester United um, with a huge game to give with a huge game to come against Arsenal uh, next time out could this be a turning point for Gareth Taylor do you think? Yeah, you'd, you'd tend to think so. I mean, Everton have started the season really well, so it's sort of nice for Man City to get a result like this against a team that has played well. Obviously, they're missing Govan at the moment, so it's neither here nor there, but, you know, they've got three different goal scorers in that game. That shows that they can grab goals from anywhere. It doesn't really, you know, it doesn't matter if they lose one player or lose two. They can still sort of push on and... You never know; they might catch the uh, the other United, the other Manchester team, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, we'll see how that goes next week when they play Arsenal. And Liv, just quickly, Everton—you know, Guion mentioned they're missing Govan, they're missing um, a couple of of key players, um, especially in the attacking department. Was that a key factor for them? And is this, I don't know, almost the the reality check of of how competitive this league can be? It's funny how Everton women are kind of doing exactly the same as Everton men at the moment, you know, starting off. So <laughs> I've been saying this all season. <laughs> Literally, I think you're right. I think they're just sharing the water and saying, here you go, you make sure you line up the same as us. But um, 
I, I do I do come back to sort of that FA Cup final. I just still feel like there's some sort of, you know, since there it really took a massive knock to a lot of them and it, it took a couple of players out. So it is a real shame, but, you know, they are, for me, a comfortable mid-table side and, you know, maybe they can get, get a good couple of uh, cup runs as well this season. You probably think you're pretty good at multitasking behind the wheel. I mean, you have to multitask to drive. So what's wrong with checking your phone? The thing is, your brain simply doesn't work that way. Even a quick look at the message, a for quick reply, affects your concentration and makes you less able to react to hazards. If you use a mobile phone while driving, you're four times more likely to crash. Think. Put your phone away. Well, guys, we'll move on to focus on the championship and everything that happened over the weekend there. So Leicester still lead the way following a routine 3-0 victory over London Bees. Natasha Flint put the Foxes in front early on with an effort from the edge of the box. Paige Bailey Gale made it two before the hour mark and Millie Farrow made uh, secured all three points for Leicester. In the northeast, Durham extended their unbeaten run with a draw at home to Blackburn Rovers, who are now unbeaten in five games themselves. With Sheffield United not in action this weekend, Liverpool remain hot on the heels of the top three. England's Rinsola Babajide was twice on target as the Reds put four goals past Crystal Palace to move within two points of the top. Amy Rogers and Amelia Thetrup grabbed the other goals. Uh, Emily, just six points separate the top six sides in this pretty entertaining league. Um, Is it a case of two points dropped, do you think, for Durham? Um, yeah, I'd say it probably is given they, that they were at home, but I think any point is a good point and maybe towards the end of the season it will you know, prove a fruitful point for Durham. Um, I guess also Blackburn are in pretty solid form themselves. We're always going to go there and make it hard for Durham. So yes, I think they're probably sitting there today thinking, you know what, that that's a game we probably should have targeted and, and would have liked to have won, but ultimately it could prove you know, a very, very valuable point for them. Emily, Leicester moved top, um, you know, given the way the season has panned out, most people would have expected them to win, but they got the job done and and they keep on impressing this season, don't they? No, they do. And as you say, I think most people would have expected that result, but they've still got to go out, perform and get the job done. And how often do we see it in football where you expect a team to go on and win comprehensively and they don't. Um, so, yeah, I think they deserve great credit for that. And just the whole battle is just fascinating, really, across the league. But certainly that the sort of top three, top four. I mean, mm. it's so difficult to call. And, you know, you think probably if it's not next weekend, it'll be a few weekends time. We're probably going to look at a totally different makeup of those teams in terms of the order of things. And it's just it's, it's absolutely brilliant. I think it's really good for the game as well. Yeah, Guyana Liv, I'll ask you this actually. It's it's just really I think it's a good sign. It's a healthy sign like like um Emily just touched, you know, it's a good sign of the game to have um such a competitive championship and that it's not just you know one or two teams just constantly dominating. Um no, I, I would say it, it it is absolutely um so much better than watching a eight nil, nine nil on a rainy day in not going to say Bristol, I need to stop saying that. They're changing their colours this season for me. But yeah, it, it's good. And it, it's not just that 
it's very competitive and close, but it's also good to see some sort of investment in these teams as well, because there's too much emphasis on the fact that unless you're a WSL team, you're probably not going to get the finance. And we've seen with Leicester and still with Liverpool, that's sort of bringing in more finance into the club. The only sad thing about it is I'm looking at that top four and there are going to be three very disappointed teams because only one of them's going to go up. Oh, definitely. it's. Uh, I'm intrigued to see um, how the rest of the championship pans out because, Emily, you're spot on in saying, you know, it could only be another couple of weeks and it could all look very, very different. Um, elsewhere in the championship, Megan Mackey and Sammy Quayle scored in the first half as Lewis saw off Charlton Athletic by two goals to one, moving level on points with Blackburn, who are fifth. London City Lionesses scored a goal in each half to earn a third league win of the campaign against Coventry United. Lucy Fitzgerald played a neat 1-2 with Atlanta Primus before scoring past Sue Wood. Callie Balfour secured the points with a solo effort for them. Well, we move north of the border now and to turn our attentions to the Scotland Women's Premier League 1. Producer Luke spoke to Glasgow City goalkeeper Erin Clackers fresh from their 3-1 win over Spartans. So you've had such an immense season in the SWPL last season. You lost just one league game. You scored over 100 goals, only conceded 11, and you won the league by 11 points to make it 13 in a row. Uh, what an achievement that was. Yeah, definitely. Um, obviously, it's not easy to keep the consistency of winning 13 titles in a row, but I think it's a mentality that's installed in this club. So, yeah, it was a great achievement and we're looking to keep going again. Yeah, because this season you started well. You beat Spartans away on Sunday. That's kept up your 100% unbeaten record after six games this season. But it does seem much tighter, doesn't it, with Celtic and Rangers on your coattails? Yeah, definitely. I think it's going to be an exciting season. and um, We know it's going to be tough, but I think it's a challenge we're all looking forward to. What, what makes a club so successful, do you think? Um, I think there's just a core of winners. I mean, the club was founded by two fantastic women that have winning mentalities installed in them as well. And that's been driven throughout the club, like all across when I was in the youth setup. It was all, all about winning as well. And it's just continued on. So I think it's just the mentality that makes the club so special. Yeah, so you've come through the club ranks as well. That must make, make it extra special for you with, with everything that you kind of win with the club always coming through the youth I think it makes it a wee bit more special you know instead of just coming from another club or anything like that so yeah it does it just adds a wee bit to it now last year you had such a good run in the Champions League unfortunately it did end with a heavy defeat to Wolfsburg in the quarterfinals but it must have given the team so much confidence to just reach that stage yeah definitely and um, everyone loves playing in the Champions League I think it's kind of the highlight of the season. So to get to that stage was fantastic achievement. We did incredibly well to get there. So yeah, it's just a good tournament. What did you what did you learn from that? Because obviously we know Wolfsburg got to the final and they're such a good side. Uh, is there things you can take from that? Yeah, definitely. We were testing ourselves against some of the best players in the world. So there's a lot we can take from that. I think obviously the result wasn't great and it was a definite learning experience. So It'll be good to take what we've learned from that forward. Yeah, and this year you managed to get through both qualifying rounds, albeit on penalties against Irish side P Mount United and also Icelandic side Valor. And now you travel to the Czech Republic on Wednesday, don't you? To play Sparta Prague over two legs. You must be really looking forward to that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it was a different setup with the qualifiers this year, but 
the one-legged ties, I mean, it was exciting. I think we all would have liked to get it wrapped up, not on penalties in both times, but it set us up for where we want to be in the last 32, so we're looking forward to that. And you must be pleased as well, the new goalkeeping coach, Daniel Matrasek, has been appointed head of goalkeeping at the club now. He was your first team coach, and he's going to stay as that, but he'll also be overseeing everything else, won't he? Yeah, um, yeah, it's brilliant for him and brilliant for the club. I've been, I've worked with him for I think four or five years now, and so he, yeah, we work well together. He's great with me and Lee, and delighted to see that he's now full time. And you've had three caps at under nineteen level for Scotland. The ambition now must be to get into that senior squad. Yeah, definitely. I think that's the ambition of, you know, every player when they're growing up wants to play first teams for Scotland or for any country. So, yeah, we've just got to keep working hard and. See where we end up. It's been it's been a good campaign for Scotland in general, hasn't it? In the in the uh, Euro qualifiers. Yeah, I think they were obviously didn't end the way they wanted to, but I think getting to the two major tournaments in a row has been great for the country. So hopefully we can progress from there. Well, last but certainly not least, a number of FA Cup third round qualifying matches took place at the weekend. Liverpool Feds comfortably saw off Fleetwood Town Rens by three goals to nil, while Enfield Town secured a narrow 2-1 win at Luton. Leighton Orient recorded a a comprehensive 4-1 victory at Eastbourne Town. Kent Football United LFC's clash with AFC Wimbledon ladies was postponed due to a waterlogged pitch. The tie will now be played on Sunday the 13th of December instead. The first round proper will of course take place on the 13th of December too. Here's a reminder of those fixtures which are as follows. FC United of Manchester Women versus Liverpool Feds. Chester Le Street Town Ladies versus Brighthouse Town Women, Lincoln City Women versus Solihill Moors Women, Wem Town Ladies versus Boldmere St. Michael's Women, Harlow Town Ladies will face Ipswich Town, Kent Football United LFC or AFC Wimbledon will face Enfield Town, Leighton Orient versus Actonians LFC, AFC Bournemouth Women versus Southampton Women. Newcastle United women versus Barnsley women, Exeter City women versus Cheltenham Town and Wolverhampton Wanderers women will play Starbridge ladies. Emily, you're attending this game. Are you looking forward to it? I am indeed, Sean Ed. Um, having grown up very, very close to Stourbridge, um, obviously always felt an affinity with the club. I've watched the men's team for a number of years, um, certainly on, on a Tuesday night in some of their own games. And obviously as the women have grown, um, become more affiliated with them as well. Um, I know certainly from my Stourbridge allegiance, it's a huge, huge occasion for them. You know, it is a bit of a David and Goliath matchup really in terms of, you know, Wolves, being Wolves, um, prestigious, and obviously just in terms of it being a local derby as well, it's a huge, huge opportunity, I think, for Stourbridge and those players to go and to go and show what they can do. Um, ultimately, you know, on the flip side, it's a big opportunity for Wolves as well to progress because, of course, the further you get, similar to in the men's competition, you know, the, big, the bigger chance you've got of drawing a, a big name. Well, we'll have all the news and the views on those ties in the next episode of the Women's Football Podcast. So that's all from myself and the rest of the gang this week. Many thanks for listening. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter. We are at TWFP1 and on Instagram, we are at the Women's Football Podcast. So until next time, look after yourselves and we'll see you all very soon.